Welcome to We Are ACHE of Massachusetts, a podcast series produced by the Massachusetts chapter of the American College of Healthcare Executives. This series features educational and inspiring conversations with leading game changers in the healthcare field, offering insight into the challenges of healthcare professionals in the 21st century. Now, here's your host, Jordan Rich. Thank you. We're very excited about the upcoming Spring Healthcare Summit, June 9th, 2022. And you can find out more at massache.org slash events. It's called Beyond Disruption, Healthcare for the Future, Redesigned and Reimagined. And the keynote speaker will be Dr. Dan Gebremedden. He's a physician, an operator, an entrepreneur, and a partner with Flare Capital Partners. Thought we'd give you a preview as to what Dan will be talking about at the upcoming summit. First off, what's the state of the state when it comes to healthcare investment? I think, with respect to um, you know the funding environment for uh, new businesses and you know kind of call it early stage healthcare innovation, I think you know continues to be quite robust. You know, we launched our fund in in 2015, and just to kind of give you some some metrics, uh, there was probably about four billion dollars in annual venture funding that was invested in. in you know, healthcare tech and services startups uh, in 2015. And I would argue uh, that the catalyst that led to, um, you know, that spur, you know, get $4 billion, is nothing to sneeze at, um, you know, was the Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, that was kind of enacted in and around, you know, kind of 2010. Um, and, you know, then was kind of implemented in the, in the years following that. Um, so you went from, you know, around a billion dollars invested in 2010, 2011 uh, into this market space, you know, and that 4X, uh, you know, in just a few years. Um, and I would argue uh, in the years preceding the pandemic, uh, that number in terms of total amount of capital invested uh, in some early stage uh, healthcare tech startups um, continue to increase, you know, upwards of, you know, around uh, 10 to $12 billion in the years uh, preceding the pandemic. Uh, and then the catalyst uh, that the pandemic uh, produced requiring new forms of healthcare innovation, the ability to deliver healthcare at a distance when you can't be in person, uh, as well as the, the whole host of, of diagnostic innovations uh, that were required by the pandemic, I think uh, spurred further growth. And so, you know, in 2020, you had you know, around $14 billion invested in healthcare technology. Um, you know, 21, 2021 was a high watermark at around 28 billion. Um, and, you know, I'd say in the first you know, few months of this year, uh, we probably won't reach that, you know, kind of 20 billion uh, high water mark, but we'll probably still be north of 20 billion dollars invested in this market space. So I think you are seeing uh, continued attention uh, from investors in this market space, and you are certainly seeing new innovations from entrepreneurs uh, as well. Healthcare delivery is what we're talking about when we talk about telemedicine and so forth. Do you see this as a continuing growth area, growth cycle with with all that we have to take care of now and with so many people out there who are remote because they have to be? Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's right. You are seeing uh, a changing way in how we consume healthcare. Um, certainly it was uh, necessitated by the pandemic, uh, the ability to, you know, you know utilize healthcare uh, virtually uh, via technology. Uh, and you're seeing changing demographics as well, right? I think as, you know, a digital first population kind of ages into higher healthcare costs, uh, they're very comfortable uh, in consuming healthcare uh, virtually. And, and while that was, you know, kind of necessitated by the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, you are seeing persistently high levels of virtual care, tele- telemedicine. Um, you know, over the range of the pandemic, you've seen, uh, you know, a 38x increase uh, in the utilization. And, and while, 
again, that's a high watermark. Um, my sense is you're going to uh, level off in areas where you have, a, at the very least, um, you know, a two to three X uh, increase in the utilization of uh, virtual care uh, prior to the pandemic and post the pandemic as we come out of it. Dr. Geberman, and we know that RNA research has led to the vaccines and, and many other developments in healthcare. What's your sense as to where this is going? So, you know, just to provide some context, you know, Flare Capital, our firm, you know, we're more focused on software and services investment uh, in healthcare. And so we tend to stay away, uh, you know, from, you know, molecule-based life sciences. Um, you know, all that said, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, RNA technology, RNA interference technology, RNA messenger technology, I think, you know, um, has been showing promise, you know, probably for, you know, over a decade now. So I think it, it's certainly been gratifying to kind of see uh, some of that, you know, translational, you know, kind of medicine uh, kind of take place where you know, RNA-based technologies um, are actually impacting lives today. Let's talk a little bit about private equity right now going forward as we sail on through 2022 and beyond and how healthy is the appetite for private equity to uh, to work with, say, Flare Capital and other firms like yours? You know, as I, as I flagged earlier, the attention that has been spent on, you know, healthcare tech and services in the last you know, five to six years has been significant. Uh, it's increased year over year. I think the challenges of the pandemic, um, you know, have kind of necessitated that uh, both investors as well as large enterprise companies that uh, are customers of these technologies, right? So you're talking health insurance companies, large health system provider groups, um, you know, have been forced uh, to adopt new technology. Uh, and so I think you are seeing, you know, kind of continued uh, comfort uh, and, and interest in moving earlier and earlier uh, in this market space. So you have larger private equity firms, um, you know, which historically would only invest in companies that were profitable for the first time ever are making, um, you know, growth stage investments. And that's growth stage in air quotes uh, in companies that might be, you know, saying 10, 20, 30 million dollars in top line revenue, not yet profitable, uh, but are really spurring innovation. And you are seeing large adoption from uh, you know, large existing stakeholders uh, really driving interest in, in private equity firms. Um, and so, you know, those private equity firms are having to get comfortable with making earlier stage investments, um, you know, that are that have just kind of fallen short with respect to, you know, kind of being profitable and you can kind of take a look at cash flows. Uh, and so we are seeing these later stage private equity firms, um, you know, spend more time with these earlier stage entrepreneurs, spending time with uh, earlier stage investors is just to better understand what our investment thesis is. I think as a whole, Flare Capital, we only invest in early stage companies at the seed, the Series A or the Series B rounds of fundraising. So those are the first you know, institutional rounds of capital. And so we've gotten quite comfortable right, with our model um, in trying to determine uh, you know, what are the likelihood um, you know, kind of success factors for some of these early stage companies. And I think that has a lot to do with the market opportunity. What problems are they trying to solve? What does the, the business model of these companies look like? Who are they selling to? What are the value propositions of these products? But then also on the team, I would say uh, we over-index in thinking about uh, what backgrounds of entrepreneurs are well-suited to really drive uh, adoption and growth of these companies at the earliest stages. You're looking at obvious signs of future success and characteristics beyond the ledger, beyond the balance sheet. Yeah, I think that's, that's well said. Where do you think healthcare has its biggest need right now? If you could take a look at the landscape and say, here's where the trouble is going to be, it's going to grow, we need to focus on it, what would that be? I mean, I think the easy answer to that question is costs. Uh, costs continue to rise 
Um, you know, certainly in the time of the pandemic, there was a lot of healthcare stimulus. So we've added more costs to the system uh, as a stopgap, right? I think you, you, you could argue that, you know, we saved a lot of lives, you know, with the, you know, kind of trillion or so dollars that have been, you know, net new invested uh, in the time of the pandemic via stimulus into healthcare uh, activities. Uh, but, you know, uh, as, 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 as the healthcare, um, you know, portion of the GDP continues to I- increase and our entitlement programs uh, like, um, like Medicare and Medicaid uh, continue to, you know, rapidly face insolvency, um, you know, this is a, you know, kind of ongoing, uh, you know, epidemic that we need to be focused on. And so what I might argue uh, is there's a big opportunity uh, to uh, provide, uh, you know, a set of uh, both uh, delivery as well as, you know, kind of technology-based analytics to determine, uh, you know, are we really getting uh, the outcomes that we would expect uh, from uh, the input that we're, we're, we're investing in uh, with respect to our healthcare dollars? And so ensuring, um, you know, that not only are costs, uh, you know, being managed uh, and controlled and potentially reduced, uh, but that you are getting the outcomes uh, for that as well, right? That, you know, overall uh, healthcare quality is improving, uh, and patient, you know, kind of, uh, you know, disease metrics are, are continuing to improve as well. Is that one of the jobs you have to to really gauge logistically how things are going? Uh, yeah, we, we certainly look at kind of key performance indicators, um, you know, of every business that we look at. Um, but then I would broadly say that, you know, we kind of take a step back and we look at the whole market. And I think we have a general sense, um, you know, even before, you know, we meet a company and, and what they're focused on. Uh, we do have an area of what are the you know the hot spots, as it were, uh, within healthcare. Where um, you know I, I like to say that you know my investment thesis is the reverse triple aim. Uh, so the Institute of Healthcare Improvement, uh, you know Don Berwick's group, um, you know kind of popularized this concept of the goal of our healthcare system should be the triple aim uh, to reduce uh, healthcare costs, to improve outcomes and quality, and to increase patient satisfaction. Uh, you know, and engagement. And I would argue that, you know, investment opportunities are areas where the opposite is true, where costs are very high, outcomes are very poor, uh, quality is, is insufficient, uh, and uh, there really isn't high levels of patient satisfaction and engagement uh, in their healthcare. And I think that there continue to be areas um, in our healthcare industry uh, where that, you know, uh, you know, that ecosystem, you know, exists. And so, you know, one area is, you know, uh, kidney care is an area where we've made investments, where you have patients, um, you know, who are requiring to get, you know, dialysis three times a week. Uh, they end up in the hospital, uh, you know, relatively frequently with complications. Um, and, you know, the care providers in their in their care network uh, tend not to be engaged and, and are only engaged in, you know, certain revenue producing activities. And so, um, you know, again, I, I think that was a market space where you, you did not see great outcomes. And, and we've made uh, an investment in that space in a company called Somatis, which will actually uh, be, be presented at the ACHE conference. Um, but you have seen other market and, and, and entrants um, focused on similar opportunities. And so um, you can kind of take a look at, you know, uh, you know heart failure in the cardiology market uh, is another area where you are starting to see entrepreneurs, um, you know, kind of, you know, develop innovations uh, focused on some of that, came, that, that same kind of paradigm where you are seeing a, a misalignment of incentives and a misalignment of outcomes. For those listeners who are contemplating or in the midst of creating their own healthcare company, what advice would you offer to anyone pondering the idea of starting something right now in this environment? 
So, you know, I think that oftentimes when entrepreneurs start a company, they tend to start a company based on their own experience, um, right? Their own personal experience, their own family experience. Uh, and there's a very clear problem statement. There's a very clear problem that they're trying to solve. Uh, and I think, you know, for, for all of us, you know, who, who play a role in our healthcare system, whether we're providers or patients, I think have a, uh, you know, a lot of proximity to a lot of problems. Um, but just because there's a problem, you know, doesn't mean that there's a very viable business model uh, that will help solve that problem. Um, and so that's where I really would like to push entrepreneurs is, yes, uh, you are focused on a, a very important problem. And it's super important to be mission driven and have a personal connection to the problem that you're trying to solve. But I would kind of take it a step further. It's like, how do you build a sustainable, viable business model based on that problem? And I think the only way that you can do that uh, is understanding who your customer is right? and spending time with that customer and understanding uh, how they think about the problem from their perspective, where the willingness to pay is, and how they think about the value proposition of a solution that you're trying to bring to market. Um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, facetiously kind of say that sometimes entrepreneurs are overly focused on their own business model and not focused enough on their customer's business model. And I would say that that's a, you know, a piece of advice that I, I tend to give entrepreneurs is that you really don't have a business without a customer. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, it's going to be those businesses that best serve the customers where they are today and where they're headed uh, that will succeed, uh, you know, in any, you know, kind of vertical within a market. Thanks once again to Dr. Dan Gebremetten with Flair Capital Partners, who'll be the keynote speaker at the Mass ACHE Spring Healthcare Summit on June 9th. Find out more at massache.org forward slash events. If you're looking to grow your career, then consider joining other leaders in healthcare and becoming an American College of Healthcare Executives member. There are many benefits to joining the Massachusetts chapter of ACHE. You'll be among the leaders in healthcare, gaining knowledge and skill sets that will help you grow professionally and excel at your job. You'll enjoy greater satisfaction and the potential to enhance your career. And you'll be giving back to your profession in positive and inspiring ways. As a member of ACHE, you'll join more than 48,000 healthcare leaders from across the United States and the world who are dedicated to improving healthcare and advancing the profession of healthcare management. Visit ACHE.org slash membership. That's ACHE.org slash membership.